0: Welcome to Next Community Church. My name is Joe, one of the pastors here, and just want to say good morning to all of you. Those of you joining us online, good morning to you as well. And a special good morning to those of you that are guests here today. If this is your first time with us, welcome to Next. We're uh, we're honored that you're here. We pray that you would feel welcomed. We pray that you would know how much God loves you. Our church is really about helping people take their next steps with God, and wherever you're at on your spiritual journey. Um, we want to help you. We want to partner with you. And we're so glad you're here. We're in a, a study in the, the New Testament letter of 1 Thessalonians. And the Apostle Paul, who wrote the book of Thessalonians to a, a new church in the, in the Greek city of Thessalonica, um, he continues on. We're in chapter 2. And he continues on in this very, very personal, very really beautiful portion of Scripture where he just reveals his heart. His heart is coming out for people. And it's, it should be inspiring to us. My, my hope at the end of this next 30 minutes is that when we're done, that you see the apostle's heart and it, it touches your heart and motivates you to have the same heart that he had for people and for the way to see life The way to see ministry and serving and life inside the church in particular. And he's going to use three very distinct word pictures to describe um, how he was with them. And, And we're going to see his heart come out. And it does, it paints a beautiful picture of relationships in the church, what really the church should be like. And I want you to continue to see how church is so much more than an event you go to once a week for an hour on Sunday. And that we've got to, if we're going to be the church God has called us to be, if we're going to be the church that our world needs, be salt and be light, that we're going to be God's hands and feet here on this earth, we've got to understand this part that we're going to talk about today, what it means to be the church. And then at the end, I'm going to share with you a brand new thing that we're rolling out here at Next because of this, because of this passage, because of the calling God has on us as a church and because we believe this is what it means to be the church, I'm going to share with you, I'm super excited, something new that we're going to do. So um, three word pictures. That's, that's what's going to frame up our message today. Three word pictures that Paul gives. We're in 2 Thessalonians chapter, or 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. So you can go ahead and turn there. I just want to keep encouraging and you. bring your Bibles on Sundays. Camp out in 1 Thessalonians with us. That's where we're going to be. Uh, chapter 2, verse 7 is where we left off last week. Remember last week Paul talked all about he was real with them. He was the real deal. He wasn't, he wasn't in it for any other motives. He, he was sincere. He called God as his witness. He was just being very real with the Thessalonians. And, and today he continues on his realness and talks about three different things. Here's the first thing he says. He's, he talks about how he worked hard, that he was a hard worker. And this is the first word picture that we're going to see, that when it comes to people it's not always easy. Can I get an amen? <laughs> Some of you are like, oh, I know that's right, right? And so, um, but Paul's not even just talking about the hard work of working with people. He's going to talk about how I worked hard on the side so that I could come here and start this church, and you all didn't have to even support me. This is what he's going to say. Chapter 2, verse 7, he says, "Although." We could have been a burden as Christ apostles. We'll just push Paul's right there. He was an apostle. They had a special calling on their life, a special anointing on their life. And so Paul essentially was a church planter. He was an itinerant minister who traveled around from town to town preaching Jesus, right? We said last week there was no Twitter, there was no email, there was no newspaper. How did news spread? You had to bring it. And so that's what Paul did, he traveled around. And so like, how did he survive? How did he make money? Well, apostles, like when they came into town, it was right for this newly formed church to then support him. Like, you know, hey, we're gonna, you're gonna be our kind of temporary pastor. We're gonna, we're gonna pay you and we're gonna take care of you. And, and Paul says here that I could have been a burden to you. Like, I could have pulled out my apostle card and be like, hey, I'm in town for a while. Uh, I'm I'm, going to need you guys to take care of me. He says, we didn't do that. Um, Skip verse 8, we'll come back to that. If you go to verse 9, he goes further and he says, remember our labor and hardship, brothers and sisters, this is what he says, working night and day so that we would not burden any of you, we preach God's gospel to you. In other words, Paul says, I wanted to come into town and I just wanted you to hear about Jesus. And so here's what he's saying. He had a side hustle. He had a side job. I came into town and I was a preacher of the gospel and I got a part-time job at Starbucks. And so I worked really hard to support myself so that you all didn't even have to worry about that. You could just hear about Jesus. This is essentially what Paul's saying. Now, his side job wasn't really Starbucks, but it was, by trade, he was a tent maker. That was his, that was his side job. And so he worked, he says, hard. He worked hard. Night and day, so that nobody could come and be like, oh, you're just here for the money, man. You're just here for the free ride. He's like, no, I didn't even take money from you guys. I worked hard on the side. And um, it's interesting, um, this concept of working hard and, and not being a burden. And um, he expands on it in the second letter he wrote to them. Paul wrote the church of Thessalonica, two letters. We're in the first one. The second letter, I just want to dip over there just for a second. In, in chapter three, he expands on this more. He kind of talks more about this issue of, of working really hard, and I think it's incredibly relevant, even in light of today's culture of working hard, or not so much working hard, and this idea of, you know, handouts and freebies, and Scripture speaks to that, church. Scripture speaks to that. I think we need to look at that. And so, so we're going to just real quick flip over to Second Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 7. He, he talks more about this. He's writing to the same people. He says, you yourselves know how you should imitate us. We were not idle among you, We did not eat anyone's food free of charge. Like He didn't come into town. He wasn't a freeloader, right? Just mooching off of people. He says, instead, we labored and toiled, here he says it again, working night and day so that we would not be a burden to any of you. Verse 9, it is not that we don't have the right to support, right? That's the way God set the church up, is that the leader of it is supported by the people of it, But he goes on and he says, We did it to make ourselves an example to you so that you would imitate us. In fact, when we were with you, this is what we commanded you. If anyone isn't willing to work, he should not eat. For we hear that there are some among you who are idle. They're not busy, but busy bodies. Paul says, now we command and exhort such people by the Lord Jesus Christ, get a job. That's that's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. We command you to work quietly and provide for yourselves, right? So this this idea of just handouts and freebies and never-ending kind of just, it's... And I know, I know, you know, the 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 Boomer generation and, and and older is saying right, right, Amen. And so maybe I'm speaking to the younger generation here that um, the idea in Scripture is work, is is to, work. and that's that's always been God's kind of design. Way back in the Garden, God made Adam and Eve, and then gave them dominion over the land, and and gave them the job of working the land, right? And so. They were to produce. And so from the beginning of time, God's plan was for man to produce, mankind to produce, to to work. Here it says it even stronger. It says, listen, you don't work. You don't eat. Right? And this isn't talking about those that can't work, those that are on disability and those kind of things. Right, As a matter of fact, Scripture talks about how we need to help those and take care of those, the, the widow and the orphan, and that we should look out for them. And, and later on, Paul, in another letter in the pastoral epistles, that says, listen, if you don't take care of your own family in need, you're, you're worse off than a heathen, he says. And so the, uh, that, it's not discrediting that. It's talking about those that are able-bodied, that just are looking for... Paul says, no, you, you got to work. And so listen, young, young generation, I say this in love. Turn off Netflix, put down the Xbox controller, and get a job, right? That's what, well, and all the baby boomers said, amen. <laughs> Right? i like, listen to that. Boy, that was the loudest amen I've ever got in this church. Wow. I'm on, I'm on a sensitive subject here. Let's move on. Um, before we do move on, Here's what he's, uh, the other thing I want to talk about a little bit is um, don't, don't be afraid of, of when it comes to doing ministry and when it comes to the church moving forward, it, it is also hard work, right? It's hard work serving in that nursery or watching, you know, teaching the elementary kids or leading a community group or opening up your house every Tuesday night and keeping it clean and doing all of that, going out, buying the food. It's hard work. It's hard work going on a missions trip overseas, taking your two weeks vacation time, but instead of going on vacation, you go to impoverished third world country. It's, it's hard work leading a Bible study. It, the, to, to, for the church to continue to move forward, it's going to be hard work. And so we're looking for people that are going to roll up their sleeves and say, I'm in. I'm not afraid of, I'm not afraid of hard work. Not everything is just going to be easy peasy and super enjoyable, right? I mean, those of you, I mean, some of you shouldn't serve in the nursery, right? Some of you because, like, that would be bad. I'm one of those ones, right? I'd barely like my own kids when they were that age, let alone somebody else's kids. So it's like... Now, you don't want me in there. But some of you, you have that, that, that ability to patience and like you just love those little ones. Go do that. We have needs all over the place. Roll up your sleeves. Jump in and help this move forward, right? So um, that's the first word picture Paul talks about. He says, when I was with you guys, we worked hard. I didn't want to be a burden to y'all. We worked hard. It wasn't about money. I didn't, I didn't want your money. I worked my own job. Work hard, right? That's the first word picture. Here's the second word picture he's going to use. He's going to talk about the, the role of a nursing mother. And, and it's this really beautiful word picture he uses to describe the way that he was with people. Now, I want you all to get this. I want you to listen because this is, this is um, and some of you might be, oh, this is, this is right, right. especially some of you manly men. Like, oh, this is going to be manby-pamby. And all that. like, listen. Listen. Um, This is for everybody here to understand how to approach people and how to deal with people. And this is what's shocking to me about this. This is coming from Paul, right? Paul, who wasn't always Paul. What was he before he was Paul? He was Saul. What did Saul do? He killed people, right? This was a hardened, aggressive, violent man who went from town to town to find people that he believed that wrongly believed in Jesus as the Messiah, they were idolaters, they were following some false god, and they were, they were spreading that false good news, and so I'm going to stop you from speaking out lies, and so he would literally kill people. So this, this was not some mamby-pamby guy. This, this was a fierce, aggressive, violent man. That God completely grabbed his heart and did a complete 180. Again, don't ever give up on anybody and say they're so far gone that God can't grab them. This is what God did. And now Paul comes, and now he comes into town, and this is how he says he was with them. Verse 7. We read the first half. Let me read the second half. He says, although we could have been a burden as Christ apostles, he says, instead we were gentle among you as a nurse Nurtures her own children. We're gentle with you. This this word for nurse. Some of your trans. It's 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 the idea of a nursing mother, right? Some of them, some translations might even just say mother, and, and and it's this beautiful word picture, right? Some of you, it's real fresh. It's real. You don't have to go back far into memory banks to remember how you were with that newborn baby when you're holding that newborn baby. Right? Our, our men, if you, you're married and you remember your, your wife with that, that infant, that newborn baby, how, how gentle. You remember the first time you held your baby, right? You're afraid you're going to break it, right? And like, it's so gentle. I remember the, when, we, when we drove Kaylee home from the hospital, right? And I, I think I drove eight miles an hour the whole way home. I was like so, so nervous and anxious, right? So, so gentle. It's, it's this word picture that Paul uses, how a mom was with her little baby. He says, that's how we were with you. Now think about that for a second. How is a mom with a baby, a newborn baby? Completely selfless, right? There's nothing that this baby is you know, giving back in a sense. I mean, I know. You know, the moms. You say, "Oh no, I, I do get back," but in a sense, right? All they do is they 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 cry and they sleep and they eat and then they they poop it out, right? I mean, that's it. That's that's what those little things do for the first year, right? And so. It's a, it's a tiresome job, right? And so Paul said, no, no, no. As a mom was with kids, that's, that, that's how we were with you. And so we were putting your needs first. We weren't, we're like, a, like a mother doesn't worry about her own needs. It's always just kid first. And so we were about you. We were selfless. We were tender with you. We were thinking about where you're at and your needs and what do you need and how can we come and help meet your need and are you doing okay, right? Everything that a good mother does in mothering this newborn baby, Paul said, that was the way we were with you, which is how we should be when it comes to dealing with people. Now, this is going to be a challenge because, in today's culture, it seems like we need to be getting more aggressive. And yet, here's Paul saying, We were like a mom with a newborn baby. I mean, how tender is that? How not aggressive is that? Humbly serving one another, putting their needs first. And so church, here's what I want to ask you just to do right now, is to just pause for a second and to think, what would it look like for you to be like a, a nursing mother to those around you? And how would those interactions Change. Right? This is what scripture encourages us to be. So first it was a hard worker. And now Paul says, we were tender with you. We were gentle with you like a nursing mother. And now he comes on and he says that we're going to be like a father with you. He's, he's going full paternal with them and, and says, we're going to be like a father with you. And so in verses 10 through 12, this is what he says. He says, you're witnesses and so is God. So he uh, he's. He's doing this again, he's calling witnesses to the stand. Last week he called God to the stand, now he's calling the Thessalonians and God to the stand, which is interesting, in the Old Testament, in order for a matter to be um, uh, settled, or, or for truth to be held onto, there needed to be at least two witnesses. And so Paul says, you're all the witnesses, and I'm calling God as a witness again. Again, this is how he was with them, he says this of how devoutly, righteously, and blamelessly we conducted ourselves with you believers. Okay, so how was he with the church people? He says we were devoutly, righteously, and blameless with you, right? These three words. Let's talk about these three words just real quick. Devoutly, righteously, devout, right? Um, completely sincere, completely committed, right? We were all in with you. We weren't flaking out. We weren't like letting other things in our schedule push things away. Like we were in and we stayed in. We were, we were devout about this with you. Devoutly towards God and devoutly towards the mission. Righteously, we lived. We conducted. He's talking about his behavior, his conduct among. Righteous. Righteous just means right living. We lived rightly among you. And then he says we were blameless, right? And this is what he's doing right now. We, we, We reverse read. He's saying all this stuff because it seems like there's critics on the other end that are saying stuff about Paul and his team, probably to the Thessalonian church that's still there in Thessalonica. Paul's writing this letter from Corinth, and he's writing back to them, and he's probably refuting the things that are being said about them. And he's saying, you guys know we were blameless. You can try to point your finger at us, but you know how sincere we were. You know how we were working hard. It wasn't about the money. It wasn't about power. It wasn't about position. We weren't trying to be the leader. We just came in and wanted to proclaim the gospel to you. We, we lived righteously among you. We were devout about this, and we were blameless, he says. And then, and then he shares how he was not only a hard worker and like a mother, but like a father to them, he says in verse 11. As you know like a father with his own children. So now he's going to talk about what it means to be a dad-like with people. He says, we encouraged, comforted, and implored each one of you to live worthy of God. Come on, live a life worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. So let's talk about these three words real quick, what it means to be like Not now a mother with people, but now like a father with people. Different words. He says, we encouraged you. You know what the word encourage means, right? The definition of encouragement? It means to put courage into, right? And and, and the dads have a special ability to do that, to kind of, you know, get their, get their kids kind of pumped up, right? To come on, you can do this. I believe in you. Come on, you can do. We also have the ability, it says in Ephesians, that fathers don't embitter your kids, right? We also can with our words, the words of dad have power in kids' lives. So what does it look like to lift their head up, to put courage into your kids? I believe in you. You can do this, right? Dad's, that's, that's the role that that you can play in in such a way, right? There's something about every boy that lives for the approval of dad, right? To hear their father say what words? You know what I'm going to say, what? I'm proud of you, right? We all learn learn for that, yearn for that. I'm, I'm proud of you, right? So, so Paul's saying, this is how we were with you. We encouraged you. We put courage in, in the face of opposition. Come on, you can do it. We believe in you. Lift their head up when they're down, right? That's the next word, is, is we comforted you. When, when, they, you know, when your boy's like, oh, I struck out three times today, or oh, I can't do this, right? You come alongside, and you can comfort them. This word for comfort, the idea of it is, means to calm down or to console, and usually to involve some type of incentive. So it's not just to a pat on the back, but it's to give an incentive to kind of bring them along, right? And dads, we have a way to do that. Listen, here's what we're going to do. If you go two for four today, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going I got $10 in my wallet with your name on it, right? Like, like we do things like that, right? We, we, we give incentives to kind of call them up, right? And, and so that's the idea behind this word comfort is that when they're down, you're going to come and you're going to be there, but you're going to actually just, Bring them along to the next thing. You're calling them up. And then the last thing is to implore. To implore means to affirm that what one has already seen or experienced. So it's to, to say, come on, I know I've seen you do that. I've seen you swim those laps so fast. I believe that you can do that. I've seen you do that before. That's what implore, this idea of implore in this Greek word, is that you're calling them up based upon what you've already seen in them. And Paul says, like a dad is with their kids, that's how we were with you, church. Come on. All of this, to live a life worthy of God. All right?" So, um, Paul was a hard worker. He was tender with them when they needed to be tender. He was fatherly with them when they needed to be be encouraged as a side note here, just a little bit of a rabbit trail, but it's, it's here, so I think, I think we, we say it. Scripture is teaching very clearly here there's a difference between the roles that mom play and there's a roles that dad play. There's a difference. There's a difference between males and females and between what mothers do and what fathers do. They're different in general, right? It's not saying everyone that moms, you can't encourage your kids and lift their heads up or dads, you can't come and be tender with. It's not what we're saying. But in general, and this is what we see again from the very beginning, way back in the garden, God created male and female, Adam and Eve, different, unique, different and unique is good. This is a good thing. Same as God created them different so that they could be a team together. This is the biblical model, a picture. We see it here that different is good. God made it that way on purpose, right? God made dads to fulfill the role of dads and moms to fulfill the role of moms, and, and that's a good thing, right? Roles different doesn't mean not equal, it just means different, right? Um, you have 11 starting players on the football team. They're, they're all, as a person, equal, but they're different, right? Uh, Tom Brady has a role to play, I think. Is he still playing now? Is he done? Is that? He can't keep track, right? His role is different than the 340-pound guy that stands in front of him and goes like this, right? Now, you might be like, well, his role is more important. Well, can Tom Brady do his role if he doesn't have five 340-pound guys in front of him doing this? Absolutely not. He needs those guys, right? And so that, that's what makes a team. And, and they're different. They're, they're important, but they're different. And so it's the same picture. I'm rabbit-trailing a little bit here, but we see it here in Scripture, this idea of, of it's, it's all throughout Scripture of the roles of moms and dads and male and female and husbands and wives. And so here, it, Paul uses it here. And in our culture, we want to just do away with all of that but that's God's design. It's God's beautiful design. And when we walk in God's beautiful design, it's like a beautiful dance. It's like watching a beautiful dance of, of two people who are completely in sync together. That's God's design. And so um, Paul says this is the way we were. We worked hard. We treated you gently like a mom. We encouraged you like a dad. And then we, I skipped over one verse that's right in the middle of all this. And to me, this one verse, is a, it's a very personal verse for me. It's a verse that has marked I feel like my, my life and my approach to ministry, and to the church, and to everything that we do, and I wanted to mark you today, and I say th- it's one of the most, I think, special verses in the New Testament, and it's verse eight, 1 Thessalonians two, verse eight. We're gonna read it right now, and then I'm gonna share with you what we're doing here at Next because of all of this, how we, again, this is describing how we should be the church together so that we can then be the church into the world, right? First Thessalonians 2 verse 8, he says this right in the middle, we skipped over. We cared so much for you, right? His heart is in. This isn't a job for Paul. He's not just punching the clock, right? He's like, Man, I care about you guys. We cared so much for you that we were pleased to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives as well. Like I shared my life with you, he says. Why? Because you become so dear to us. It's this idea of that I'm going to not just be from a distance. He says, I'm going to live life with you up close. I'm going to open my life up to you. I'm going to be real with you. I'm going to be with you. We're going to do life together. And we're going to share. And and I'm going to be close enough to you that you can see my life so that you can imitate my life and follow me. And then others are going to follow you. We've already talked about this. It's the model of how people grow and how discipleship. This is the word for discipleship helping one another be better disciples of Jesus. That's why we named our church Next, because there is always a next step in looking more and more like Jesus. Until we leave this earth, there is always a next. There's always an opportunity for you to grow and learn, and change, and develop, and look more like Jesus, to bring your mind more under the control of the Holy Spirit, so that you have more spirit-filled thoughts, that then give you spirit-filled emotions, that then give you spirit-filled actions, and spirit-filled words, and spirit-filled decisions, and then your life starts looking more like Jesus, and you keep learning, and growing, and taking next steps, and you're like, I can't keep doing that anymore, I got to change, I got to do something different, right, and, and so how does that happen? It happens when you start living life together with one another and together we go on this journey Christianity is a together all in team sport it is not a Lone Ranger sport and so this, this verse I love this verse we cared so much for you that we were pleased to share with you not only the gospel but also our lives we're made for this you're made to share your life with one another which is why again we are all about community groups here want you to get into a group. I'm asking you to get into a group, to be in relationship with one another. I am am asking you to not just attend this church for an hour on Sunday. Now, if you're newer, you're like, I'm still coming. That's great. If you've been here a year or longer, it's time to get in and be the church together. Be in relationship with, because you're made for this. You're made to open up your life, to share your life with one another. It's how we grow. And I know it's a challenge. And I know it's difficult. It's almost sometimes like hard work. And we recognize that. And that's why we try to have groups every night of the week. I think we do every night of the week. We have them and in, in group on Sunday to try to have groups available for you to get in. But there's a new thing that we're, we're going to start here, and I want to tell you about. It, and this is how we're going to close. Um, is that but want you to be in life-giving relationships with one another. And for the, the years that we were Keystone, the 10 years that we were Keystone, we were serious about discipleship as well. And we created, we called it the journey. It was a discipleship pathway, and there was a class to take here, and a class to take here, and a class to take here. And then there was a book in between this class and a book, and it was kind of like a 101, 201. And what we found over the years is that On paper, it looked really clean and neat and simple. You go to this one, and then you go to this one, and you go to this one. But in practicality, with with life, it don't work that way, right? Because, well, you you miss this class. And when's the next time you're offering this class? Oh, not six months from now. Well, can I do this book, but I didn't have this class. And, well, my partner can't make it. And all And so we have all these, it was just kind of real tricky And so here's what we're doing. We said, we still believe in the value of discipleship, life on life, want you to be in life-giving relationships. Everybody needs this. Everyone needs somebody ahead of you pulling you forward. And you need to turn around, and you're ahead of somebody helping them come forward. And so how how are we going to do this without making the structure so kind of rigid and clunky and all that? And so here's what we're doing. We're coming up with what we call uh, the Discipleship Resource Center. Right? And here's what the Discipleship Resource Center is. We have twenty-four you can throw up that next slide. I think we have a table of it. Okay. We have twenty it says sixteen, but there's subcategories there underneath number three. Twenty-four different categories that it, it, it are all areas of Christian life that we've come up with, right? Like um, things dealing with addiction or codependency or what it means to be a biblical man or biblical woman about how to live the Christian life, hearing from God, God's grace, your identity in Christ, understanding your spiritual gifts and how to use those spiritual gifts, right? Um, understanding how to manage your emotions so your emotions don't manage you, right? How to be a worshiper of God, a true worship of God. What does worship really mean, right? How to defend your faith to know what you believe, why you believe, how to share the gospel and be a, do the work of an evangelist, and how to have biblical perspective on money and finances, and what about the afterlife, heaven and hell, and understanding the Holy Spirit that lives within you, how to study the Bible, right? How to be a Christian leader, not just a leader, but a Christian leader, and how to, if you're newer to the faith, and, and how do I even, I don't know, all this stuff, like I just need baby steps, new believers, for you, some material for you, prayer and fasting, and help me parent, I, I got these little things at home. I don't know what to do with them. How do I parent, right? And, and how to do relationships, marriage relationships. If you're single or trying to date in a godly way, what does that look like? And how to walk in sexual purity and, and how to understand that the enemy is real and that there is spiritual warfare out there, all of these things. And so what, what we've done is underneath all those 24 categories, if I counted right, is that we've given anywhere from three to five resources, recommended resources that we think is the best of the best that's out there. And so here's what I'm asking you to do church. Every single one of you, here's what I'm asking you to do is find at least one other person, one or two other people and say pick a topic and pick a book and let's do it together. Let's open up our lives together. Let's open up this book together and let's start growing together to look more and more like Jesus. This material is going to help you to take your next steps. And so the, the, the bookcase wall that's out here that we had all the storybooks on has now been transformed into a library. All of these books are out there. I probably shouldn't use the word library because you don't take them. On the back of the book is a QR code. All you gotta do is to scan that QR code. It'll take you right to the Amazon link. You can order the book. It'll be on your doorstep in 48 hours, right? They're all out there on display. I know me, when I'm looking at a book, I wanna see the table of contents, right? I'm gonna be like, what's, right? So we put them all out there. There's like 90 some books out there for you to, to look at to say, let's step into this. And then if you, even if you, there's a line there or whatever, there's, every one of this is out there. Grab one of these on your way out. It has in here how to do this. It has all the categories. It has all the books that we've listed in there. It even has questions. Because I, I don't know if you're like, I, I'm currently doing this. I'm doing this with three guys. We meet every Saturday morning, 9 o'clock. We're working through a book together. I'm not asking you to do anything that I'm not doing. And we um, work through. And, and and one of the things that I realize is even though you're reading a book and you get done, it's like, how, how do you discuss a chapter? And sometimes that's even tricky because it's like, well, what you think? I don't know. What you think? Right? And so that's, so we, so we gave you questions to ask one another. So it's not, what you think? Actually, I had Deb do it because I'm the what you think guy, right? So I said, Deb, write some good questions. So there's questions in here that you can ask one another so to help guide you through this so that you're going to actually not just read something, but change something on the inside and you're going to do it together. So you're going to link arms and you're going to move forward together to take next steps together. Why? Because this is the biblical picture. Picture of what it means to be the church and not just go to a building once a week for an hour on Sunday. And we want to help you with that. Let's grab one of these on the way out. We're, uh, we're, we're, um, I don't want this to replace reading the Bible. These are not the Bible. This is not as good. none of these books are as good as the Bible. As a matter of fact, let me just say this. We've read all this, we've vetted all of this and uh, agree with 99% of everything these authors say, right? There might be that one that's like, hey, did you know that that, they're like, this isn't, these aren't the Bible, right? And so there's only one perfect inspired book, it's the Bible. So um, you can trust 99.9% of everything that's in there. We're never gonna find someone that we completely always agree with, um, but this book you will. So listen, don't stop reading this book to read some other book. Read this book. As a matter of fact, we've put out journals. These are out there as well. Maybe you say, hey, let's not read a book. Let's get together and read the book. How about we read the book of James together? Let's do that. This summer, let's get together once a week, discuss the book of James. We've given you this with, again, with a little insert on the inside, with guiding questions on the inside to kind of help you. And this is a journal where you can write down notes. We're trying to make it really easy, really accessible for you to be disciples of Jesus. Because that's what Jesus said. Come Follow me. He didn't say come, just believe in me, and then go live how you want. Come follow me. So follow means being more and more like Jesus. And this is what the Apostle Paul is describing here when he said, I opened up my life to you. Let me have the worship team come. And I'll close with this. And this might sound really weird for a preacher to say, but it's true. Um. As much as I love to study God's word and prepare messages, and I do, I, I, lo- I love it. I love, I love my job. I love doing my job with you. You all make it easy most of the time, for real. <laughs> I love to study. I love to sit with God and to what your word's saying and to write sermons. I love to teach. If I were to be honest with you and stop and think about who I am today and think about sermons and the role of sermons and look back on my life, and I've heard thousands, probably tens of thousands, over 30 years' worth of sermons, right, over over the last 30 years of being a Christian. Um, Grew up in a Roman Catholic church. Accepted Christ as my Savior in a Baptist church. There's a Baptist church like some of you. We went to church not once on Sunday, we went to church twice. We went to Sunday morning church, and I heard two sermons every Sunday for years, right? Lots of sermons. And if I'll be honest with you, I'd think back on my 30 plus years of sermons, and today I can probably remember 10 of them that left their mark on me today. But you know what i can remember i can remember people i can remember relationships that shaped who i am today i can remember faces and names i remember the first time i walked into that baptist church at a youth group this guy named chris i didn't know anybody just a kid going in by myself and this guy named chris one of the leaders came up to me and said hey man you play basketball i'm like yeah he shot baskets with me the whole night made me feel so welcome i remember chris i can remember billy After I said yes to Jesus Christ, invite him into my life, he began to, I didn't know what he was doing at the time, but he was mentoring me. I didn't know it. He's like, hey, can I pick you up after school? We'll go get Slurpees. I got to get my oil changed. I'm like, sure. And so he picked me up and we'd go get Slurpees and get oil changed. And he introduced me to Christian music for the first time. I I didn't know there was a thing as non-Christian music. I just, uh, and I learned about Christian music. And then he taught me how to pray, how there was so much more than just putting hands on a bead and saying something that you don't even really mean prayers, his talking. and then he, then he taught me how to read the Bible. He just modeled that to me. And then I remember my youth pastor saw something in me as my high school years and said, I, I think that you should go down and work with middle school kids. Would you be a small group leader to sixth grade boys? Sure. He believed in me. He spoke, he put courage into me, changed the direction of my life. I loved it figured out there's this thing that you could be that get paid to do this. It's called being a youth pastor. I'm like, what? That's the greatest job ever. Went to Bible college. I remember my freshman year in Bible college, my sweet mate, we had room, room, bathroom in the middle that we shared. And I remember in the morning, getting ready in the bathroom and looking over in my sweet mate's room and every single morning, Brian, down on his knees, starting every day, literally on his knees by the side of his bed praying. I'm like, I don't... I don't do that. I probably should do that. I respected him so much. Lived a year with him. I can go on and on and on about the relationships and the people that shaped my life. And you you could too. If I sit here today and I say, who impacted you could go through as well. And so now I'm saying, let's let's do it together, church. Let's open up our lives together. And don't worry. We're going to still give sermons here. (laughs) Somebody said, I I shared this with somebody once, and they said, can you remember every meal your mom made? I'm like, no, I can remember meatloaf. and like, oh, like that, right? They said, no, but it it nourished you every day, right? It got you to where you're at today. I'm like, yeah, even though you can't remember? I'm like, yeah, but it nourished you, yeah. That's what God's word is. Every week, it's going to nourish you. It's going to shape you. So we're not going to feed, stop feeding you God's word. But I do want you to be in relationships because that is the way that we're going to grow. Stop by the resource center on the way out. Grab one of these and start praying about who you will connect with. And all you got to do is find some. you already got people in your life say, hey, let's do this. Let's open our lives up to one another. So, God, we need your help because I know the enemy wants to keep us busy and distract us. And there's a thousand and one reasons why not to do this. But, God, I pray that we would be the church that's serious about taking next steps, serious about following you and making a difference in this world. So God, show us the path forward. Show us what our next is. In Jesus' name, amen.